This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Whenever you have a near-death experience, there's something about that that's always etched in your memory. And I know some of us may have been through uh, a trauma that took a lot of rehab, or we might have faced a disease that caused a near-death experience to be extended over months, maybe years. But for most of us, when we have a near-death experience, either one that is real or one that we perceive, it's usually just really fast. happens fairly quickly. When I, I was in Turkey this past week, and it was such a wonderful trip. You're going to hear more about that probably over, over the next few weeks in sermons here and there. And uh, just it was everything that you would want in a, in a trip like that. And I'm still processing so much that God showed me. Uh, but we, we traveled with a group of about 10 of us, 10 pastors. And we, we drove hundreds and hundreds of miles around Turkey. And so you kind of got to where you would get used to being on the bus and, and you would be in parts of the country where the scenery wasn't necessarily unique. And so everyone kind of tuned out and was, were either reading or had headphones, whatever the case was. And our, our driver, our bus driver, was Turkish. He spoke no English whatsoever. And so we, we never really knew what he was thinking or how tired he was or how he was feeling. Uh, but one time we, we, the bus stopped in the highway and it wasn't necessarily unusual for us, but the youngest person in the group, he was in his probably mid-20s and kind of had every characteristic of that generation, uh, you know, the dry sarcasm and uh, the, the, the different way of presenting himself, kind of the understated way. And so the bus stopped and we were sitting there. And all of a sudden I heard him say, uh, is it just me or are we going backwards on the highway right now? And sure enough, our bus was in reverse on, I guess, what they call the interstate, the freeway, going in reverse. And so as I was processing what was happening, uh, Larry, who was in charge of our group, he's a very mild-mannered individual, just screams out in English, hoping, I guess, that God would miraculously interpret it to the Turkish driver. He said, a truck is coming, a truck is coming. And by the time we realized this, this red semi-truck just barely, barely missed us. And, and it was just one of those instances that you've had them before, too, where just like that, you realize you were in danger. So we, we uh, through our interpreter, we really gave some uh, driving instructions to the bus driver, make sure that didn't happen again. Uh, that's just something that just happened in the last few days. But as I was reflecting, uh, and as you reflect sitting there, uh, you'll think of times, several different times in life where either... You had a brush with death or you perceived that you did. I'm thinking about a rock climbing incident I had. There was another time I was uh, tubing down the Guadalupe River and I got detached from my group. And that was uh, a really a perceived dangerous time for me. But the, the brush with death that sticks out the most to me, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you about because it happened when I was, I guess, like five years old. It was before I had taken swimming lessons. And... I was on the deep, the deep uh, end of the pool on a diving board. I had uh, the lifesaver thing around me, and I jumped off the high dive, went into the pool, and the momentum just had me go straight to the bottom of the pool. And there were plenty of people around there. And so now, in retrospect, I probably wasn't dealing with a whole lot of danger. 
But I, I went all the way to the bottom, sunk to the bottom, and I panicked. I didn't know how to swim, didn't know how to get to the top. Uh, and for those moments there, uh, in my little childhood mind, um, something very unique happened, and that's why I shared this story with you. My life flashed in front of my eyes. It was only five years, but, uh, but I remember distinctly, even now, 30, something, 30 years later, remember those few years I had, it just kind of flashed in front of my mind. I, I thought it was over, and one of the neighbor kids jumped in and pulled me out, and really, probably it wasn't a really big deal, but all these years later, I just, that of all incidents I had sticks out to me because whenever you have a perceived brush with death, you you never forget it. You never forget it. And that's exactly what the disciples had in the passage we're going to look at today. The last time I taught you, we talked about Jesus when he fed 5,000 people and was showing himself as God, as a provider. And now we pick up the story in verse 41, excuse me, verse 45 of Mark chapter 6. He had fed the 5,000. And now in verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Let me just pause there for a second. This is just something a little extra, not necessarily a point of the sermon. But I will say that after we have successes in life, whether it be a business success or a ministry success, a wise thing to do is to go to a time of prayer afterwards. God wants us to celebrate and be celebratory people. But after a victory, we can be vulnerable to pride. We can be vulnerable to sin. And a wise thing to do is to make sure you don't just pray before something big in your life but that you have a time of prayer afterwards. And Jesus models this here. And so going to 47, it says, Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, They thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them. And the wind died down, and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now here in this passage, uh, Mark omits the part about Peter walking on the water. In Matthew 14, it tells about Peter walking to Jesus. And we're not going to address that issue today because for whatever reason, Mark decided not to include that. Maybe he wanted just Jesus to be the focal point of the story. And so we'll do the same today also. And here it was that that the disciples must have felt very alone. Jesus had sent them across the ocean excuse me, across the lake, and in the middle of the lake, they encountered a storm. Over the last 11 years, since I've had kids, I've done a moderate amount of travel. I've left Beth alone with the kids. And it just never seems to never fail that when I'm out of town, something breaks down or something goes wrong. And she always does an incredible job of managing all that stuff. We've had our air conditioning unit go out. We've had our 
heat go out. We've had stitches. We've had sicknesses. Just maybe we're more aware of it when I'm gone. And thankfully, this last week went pretty smooth. But when those phone calls go back to Beth and I hear about the situation, she's always managing the situation fine. But there's this sense that if I wasn't alone, this would be just easier. If I wasn't alone, I could just manage this better. And you've probably felt that way before, too. When we're in the middle of a storm and we're in the middle of a difficult situation, we just want people around us that we love. We can handle the adversity. We can handle the challenge. But it's just so much better if someone we're close to and someone we love is there with us. Can you imagine how the disciples must have felt? I mean, they're in the boat, they're in the storm, and yet Jesus is not with them. I can just imagine that they're disillusioned. Maybe they're disgusted. Maybe they're mad. Maybe there's all types of different emotions among them. But the point is, they're alone. They are alone without Jesus. And they think that he doesn't know what's going on. Well, there's three miracles that happen In this passage, I mean, the obvious one is this. Jesus walks on the water. He walks on the lake. And then when Jesus gets in the boat, the wind dies. But there's a third miracle you may have missed. And the miracle is this, is that when Jesus was on the shore and they were in the lake, he could see them miraculously. He didn't have night vision goggles and they didn't have electricity on the boat. But yet supernaturally, through God's power, he could see them. I want you to write this down. Here's the first observation about this passage is this. Jesus sees. Jesus sees. I want you to know this, that some of us, we're in the storm. We're battling the waves. We're going into the wind and we think that God has forgotten us. But Jesus sees. Jesus sees and knows exactly what is happening. Now, I want us to look at this passage in the ESV version because I love the rendering here, the interpretation here. Now, let's look at verse 47 here, Mark 6 still. It says this, And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. Now, I I think that we could all agree that when evening came was probably somewhere between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. To me, when I read this, and it says when evening came, it means the sun has gone down. It's not any kind of vague interpretation of when evening comes, especially in the ancient world. Sundown, the evening has come. So let's assume it's somewhere between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Now let's go to verse 48. I love the way this is put. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. Isn't that descriptive? The wind are blowing and they're rowing the boat. And They're trying to make headway, but it's painful. It's tough. For the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The Romans divided the night into four periods. And so the fourth, the fourth watch, the fourth period was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So let's think about this. In verse 47, it said, when evening came, roughly 6 to 9 p.m., 
When evening came, the boat was out to sea, and he was alone on the land. Now to the next verse, verse 48. It says, and about the fourth watch of the night, about 3 a.m., he came to them. Now, if you do the simple math, we know this, is there was a significant period of time where Jesus saw the struggle. And Jesus saw they were in trouble. And Jesus had capability. He had already demonstrated it just to speak to the wind and speak to the storm and say, it's over. But in his divine wisdom, he allowed them to struggle. And he had allowed them to make headway painfully. There was something in his divine wisdom that said the struggle, the struggle is happening. And I'm going to allow the struggle to continue. See, I want you to understand something today. For those of you who feel like Jesus doesn't know what's going on in your life because it's just really hard right now, and you, you feel like it's, you're painfully making headway, you're, you're, you're rowing and the wind is against you. Here's the problem when the wind is against you. If you even stop rowing, you're going to get tumped over. So you have to row. You have to keep fighting. You have to keep discipline. But you're not making progress. That's a really, really tough thing. And it could be really easy to get disillusioned at Jesus and just think he doesn't see me. But he sees you. He sees what's happening. He's watching you. And the timing of the Lord, he's going to come to you at just the right time. Several years back, I was driving down the road, and I looked ahead of me, and I saw two lanes were coming into one lane. And there was uh, a Mack truck, uh, if I remember correctly, a cement truck that was in the right-of-way, and there was a little Toyota pickup truck. And they were converging. The Toyota pickup truck should have merged and let the other truck go by, but he tried to beat him, and I thought he had him beat, but the very back of the truck clipped it. And I saw that little Toyota truck go up in the air and land upside down. So I immediately got off the phone. I called 911. And in the middle of that, I got out of my car. And the man, the, the, the uh, truck collapsed. And so the man started crawling out and he got stuck. And so he's laying there in the glass and he can only halfway get out. So I went to him and, and uh, the first thing I told him is I said, help is on the way. Help's on the way. And we prayed and we talked. I learned his name. And as I was there with him for those few minutes, we began to hear the sirens. And they got closer and they got closer. And the closer the sirens got, the more relaxed he became because he knew that help was coming and help was on the way. When we know that help is on the way, it can help us manage the storm. Here's the second thing I want you to write. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. In the middle of your storm, when it's painful, you're not making progress, and maybe you think that you've thought in the past that Jesus doesn't see you, not only does he see you, he's coming to you. He's on his way to you. And that gives us great hope this morning. Great hope that we can know that we're not going to be abandoned. We're not going to be forgotten. Jesus is not going to have us drown in the middle of the lake. He's coming to us. That's his character. That's his promise to us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I, 
Jesus is saying to you, I am more powerful than the wind. And I can get to the place that you think is impossible. He can walk on water to get to you. And so he did. So he walked across the lake. And because of fear, they didn't even recognize him at first. They didn't recognize him. They, they thought he was a ghost. And that word ghost isn't used very often in the New Testament when it's translated. Because basically it's talking about they thought he was like an undertaker. It was like a... Uh, in their minds, it was almost like they were hallucinating right before death. Death is upon us, and death is walking by, and we're about to drown, and here comes the ghost, and it's all over. That's a feeling we have sometimes. We feel like we're drowning. We're about to go under. The, the wind's too strong. We're not making effort. But when we least suspect it, Jesus is going to come to that impossible place. How do we know that it's him? Look at, look at verse 50 with me. And he, in verse 50, he said, immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And when he said this, this was not Jesus simply identifying himself uh, on a surface level, something much, much deeper is happening here. Because if you look at that phrase with me, it is I. That, that phrase translated in the Greek is the phrase I am. I am. It wasn't that simply Jesus was just on the surface vocally identifying himself. He was identifying the depth of who he was. Because in the Old Testament, Jesus God had a name, a name that set him apart from every God. He had a name that set him apart from every identity any God had. And he revealed this name to Moses because he came to Moses and said, Moses, I have an impossible job for you to do. You're the most unqualified person, but I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh. And I'm going to have you say to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, who shall I tell him has sent me? He said, who in, how in the world am I going to identify who you are? And in Exodus 3.14, God responded in this way. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so now we go back to Mark 6 verse 50. When Jesus immediately spoke to them. And he said, he spoke to them and he said, take courage, it is I. He was saying, it is I am. I am the same God that was with Moses. I am the same God that was with Elijah and Elisha. I was the same God who was with Daniel and those who were exiled in Babylon. I was the same God who was with the prophets. I am the same God who has healed people throughout the Judean countryside. I am. I have a personality. I have a name. I have a character. I am coming to you and I am coming to where you are because I've been watching you all along. I see you and when you are at the end of your strength, that's when my strength begins. I am is here to reveal myself to you. That is the God who comes to our boat and comes to our situation. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. I love this. Jesus is near. Jesus is near. Now, what a tender and beautiful verse we're going to see in verse 51. It's verse 51. It says, then he climbed into the boat 
with them. I love that phrase. He climbed into the boat with them. Jesus is near. Jesus is near. He is coming to you. He's seen you all along. He's known every challenge you've faced. He has known every struggle. And in this perfect timing, he is coming. He is coming. He is coming to you. You see, the scripture said earlier, he was about to pass them by when they saw him. It wasn't that Jesus was had anywhere else to go. He had already said, I'm going to them. But the reason they were able to see Jesus is because Jesus had seen them first. The reason Jesus can work in your life this morning and you can say yes to him is because he said yes to you first. And he wants to climb in the boat and he wants to be with you. When Jesus gets in your situation, all of a sudden the winds disappear. The winds are going to end. He has power. He had the same power to feed the 5,000 men. And he has power over the wind and power over the water, power over the circumstance. And when he gets into your situation, everything changes. When Jesus climbs in the boat, everything changes. When Jesus gets into your dysfunction, everything changes. When Jesus gets into your sickness, everything changes. When Jesus gets into your confusion, everything changes. He's coming to you. He's coming into your boat. He's coming into your situation. And the winds are going to stop. The winds are going to die down. He's seen you all along. He came at the right time. And he is revealing himself to you this morning. He's saying, I am. I am here. I am who I say that I am. I am here for you. I am here to get involved in your situation because I love you. And I have a plan for you. That's the type of God that we serve. Would you close, close your eyes with me? Because I want us to meditate on this. You may be in the boat this morning and feel like you're going to sink. That's a tough place to be. Oh, man, I've been there in a lot of different areas in my life. You think the boat's going to sink. You're going to drown in debt. The marriage might not make it. The kid, you can't manage him. You can't please your boss as much as you try. It feels like you're going to sink. Come on, Jesus is saying, I've been watching you. I'm watching you. I'm working in the struggle. I'm working in the fight. It might be painful, but it's not over. It's not going to end this way. You're not going to drown. You're not going under. He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He hasn't abandoned you. He sees you. He sees your situation. Some of you may be in fear this morning. And every single person in this room deals with fear. I deal with fear. You deal with fear. Every single person deals with fear. Fear is, fear is part of who we are. But we don't have to stay in fear. We don't have to stay in fear because Jesus sees us all along. And he's coming to us. He's coming. He's walking on the water. He's coming to our boat. He's going to reveal himself to you. Maybe you haven't recognized Jesus in your storm. Can I tell you that? He's on his way. He's going to get in your situation. Jesus sees. Jesus is coming. And Jesus is near. Father, we, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you have preserved this story written down by Mark. Translated many, many times to us. So that here... On this morning in 2011, we could see that, God, you're very personal. You very much care about our situation. 
and you want to reveal yourself to us. The first question I have to ask this morning is I want to make sure you're right with God this morning. Man, that's where it starts. Are you right with the Lord? If you have sin in your life and you say, I need to confess that to God, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand not because I need validation and that I need to see it. You're really raising your hand for God who wants to see a step of repentance that says, yeah, I want to change. I want to change. So if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Thank you, thank you, young man. But you promise he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes I don't know the reason why we don't feel him as close as we would like at times, but we trust him. We trust in his personality. We trust in his character. We trust in his revelation because Jesus is not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is the great I am. He is the one who revealed himself to Moses. He revealed himself to Elijah and Elisha. He revealed himself to the prophets of old. And now he's revealing himself to you. He says, I'm different. I'm in control. I am bigger than your problem. I am bigger than the circumstance. I'm bigger than the opposition. I can tell the wind to stop. You say, in my strength, I haven't made headway. I haven't made progress. The wind's too strong. Jesus says, I am more powerful than the wind. I'm getting in your boat. I'm getting with you. You may be in fear this morning. And some of us, fear paralyzes us. Fear keeps us from being everything God wants us to be. And and fear is something every single person deals with. I deal with fear on a regular basis. But he's walking on the water right now. He's coming to you. And you're not to fear death. You're to see Jesus because of his voice says, I'm here. I'm near. I'm close. I'm with you today. And we thank you for that, Father. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for drawing our hearts to you. The word is drawing us to Jesus this morning. It's drawing us to Jesus. It's keeping us, it's telling us not to, not to pout, not to be disillusioned, not to question, but to trust. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting. Faith is believing. Faith is, is being sure of what he's asked for us. Bless your name, Lord. Some of you need to reconnect with Jesus today. Before we do anything else to the today, I want to make sure if you need to reconnect with Jesus, you need to make sure you're trusting him fully for your life and say, Aaron, I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God this morning. I want to be right with God this morning. Very quickly, I want you to raise your hand right now. Eyes are closed around this room. Raise your hand right now if you need to be right with God. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Look, anyone else? Do I need to be right with God today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're worthy to be praised, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask if Tommy, if you and Gary can come to this communion table. Gary, Tom, can Tommy and Helen, just bring it here to the front so... So we can uh, have greater access to that. I'd appreciate that. Well, what a chance we have to focus on our Lord and Savior this morning. He loves us so much. We're going to worship Him today. I'm going to. We're going to open up the table of the Lord for those who want to take communion. I'm going to ask if you're a child here not to take communion unless you get your parents' approval, uh, because. We understand that as parents, some of you have different 
uh, philosophies on when a child should take communion. But maybe if you want to, you can take communion together as a family, both at the back and the front. Those are available to you. If you want to use this time for meditation, if you want to use this time to pray, I'm going to ask that our prayer partners would come to the front. Some of you just need someone to pray with you today, to encourage you this morning. You need someone to stand with you in faith and believe God to do something for you. Our prayer partners were available with you to stand in faith, to stand in agreement. So as we worship the Lord today, as we worship Him, I want you to respond either through communion. If you need special prayer, come find one of us. If you want to kneel here at the front, you're available. Let's connect with this Jesus. Jesus sees us. Jesus is coming to us. And Jesus is near. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.